Welcome to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast, where changing the world starts with changing the home, with your host, Meredith Curtis. Hi, welcome to Finish Well Radio. I'm so excited to be with you today. I'm Meredith Curtis, and this is episode 147, What Supreme Court Case, in case you're looking for show notes. And normally we talk about Christian homeschool life and family, and today we are talking about something that really, truly affects every American, especially Christian Americans. And so I I hope you'll just stay with us, and I'm really, really excited to have a very special guest today, Linda Salmon. Linda, welcome. Thank you. Mary, it's really good to be here. And just to tell your audience a little bit about myself, I'm an attorney. I'm licensed to practice in Virginia and in Massachusetts, where I live now. And though I don't practice law right now, when I did, I was a prosecuting attorney. And I went to Christian school for master's, including a master's in public policy. So what's going on in the Supreme Court always interests me. But this case, particularly as a Christian, as a lawyer, and someone who is very strongly pro-life, uh, I'm very excited about the case and excited to be here so that we can discuss it and bring some information and awareness to the women and hopefully some men who are listening to this podcast. Wow, that is awesome. So Linda has a lot that she could share with us, but there's another reason that I invited her today, and that's because Linda is a very special friend of mine, and we became friends as young women. She was a prosecuting attorney. My husband was getting his Master of Divinity, and we were prayer partners then. Through the years, sometimes we kept in touch and sometimes we didn't, but we reconnected several years ago, and we are prayer partners again. So we have a real heritage of prayer, and that's something we'll talk about at the end of this podcast, I invited Linda here not only because she knows what she's talking about, and when I don't understand something legal, she can help it make sense, but Linda is a devout Christian. She loves the Lord, and not only does she have legal wisdom, she has godly wisdom. So, Linda, again, I'm so grateful that you're here with us. I feel like this court case is so significant I'm just going to ask you some questions that people like me are asking. We don't have legal backgrounds, but we love the Lord. We see that our nation is in a bad direction. We don't want abortion to be the law of the land. And on behalf of people like me who maybe don't understand so much about the law and the court, first of all, what is the Supreme Court case that's coming up December 1st? And what is the real issue before the court? Yeah, so the case is called Cobb the Jackson Women's Health Organization. And Cobb is the name of an officer for the state of Mississippi. He works in the health department, from what I understand. So he's just kind of representative of Mississippi. And Jackson Women's Health Organization is the sole provider of abortion in the state of Mississippi. And this whole case started in 2018 when the state of Mississippi passed a law prohibiting abortions after 15 weeks of development in the womb or gestation. So this is the 15 weeks gestation law. And the Jackson Women's Health Organization 
sued the state and said this law prohibiting abortion after 15 weeks is absolutely unconstitutional. And the two lower courts agreed with the abortion provider. And the state of Mississippi asked the Supreme Court if the Supreme Court would hear the case and if the Supreme Court would uphold the law of Mississippi to prohibit these abortions. And that's the case that is going to be heard on December 1st in the United States Supreme Court in Washington. This is really significant because this is the first major abortion case to come in front of the court in a long time. And the last major case that came in front of the court on abortion was in 1992. It was called Planned Parenthood versus Casey. And in that case, since Roe in 1973, in that case, the court upheld the abortion law in the United States, which we'll talk about in a minute. But it's so significant that this is coming before the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court does not hear many cases every year. And they are asked to hear between seven and 8,000 cases wow. a year. And they only choose about 80. So the very fact that they have chosen to hear this case is very significant. They are not obligated to hear a case. They are not obligated to hear any appeal from any court. And they are not obligated to hear every issue. So what the court has decided to hear, without getting into everything about the Cobb case, keeping it simple, the court has said that they are going to hear Cobb, and the issue specifically before the case is whether all pre-viability prohibitions on abortion are unconstitutional. And we can unpack that a little, as you probably have questions. But this is what the court said when they decided they were going to hear it. The, the Supreme Court blog basically said, the Supreme Court has agreed, this is back in May, to take up a major abortion case that will give the court, this is so critical, an opportunity to reconsider Roe and Casey. So, first Wow. Time, Linda, yeah. I did not know that that was part of their statement in saying they agreed to pick it up. Yep. They're agreeing to hear this. Now, in order for a Supreme Court, the Supreme Court to hear a case, when they get so many petitions, there's this thing called the rule of four. And what that kind of means, and it's not a hard, fast rule, but usually it takes four justices to argue to hear a case. Sometimes two can be compelling. We don't know. We have no idea what's going on behind closed doors. But generally speaking, it takes four justices to really firmly say, we want to hear this case. They never require the majority. And it's all an unspoken thing. No hard, fast rule. And I've actually read from scholars on the Supreme Court that probably five justices fought for this, the five conservative justices. But we don't know. Okay. But it is very significant. This is very significant. So let me just recap. So Mississippi made a law that you could not have an abortion after 16 weeks. And, 15, yep. Okay. And then they, this woman's clinic that was making a lot of money on doing abortions sued the state. And are you saying that the judges at the local level and then at the state level upheld the woman's clinic? Yes. So okay. the, there's two levels. 
in federal court, which is where this went. It either goes federal or state. This went to federal court. It first went to the district court, which is the lower federal court, and the district court upheld or struck down the Mississippi law and sided with Jackson Women's Health. Okay. And said, you cannot ban under Roe v. Wade, you cannot prohibit abortion until viability. And viability was set by the court as the third trimester. So, okay. okay, So then, and we'll get into what the law is now and what this viability is, but then just procedurally, the next highest court is called the U.S. Court of Appeals. It is the second highest court in the country. And they also struck down the Mississippi law and said, this is unconstitutional under Roe v. Wade and Casey. You can't do this. You cannot ban abortions at 15 weeks. The the second trimester, the woman is allowed to have an abortion under existing law. She has a constitutional right unless you can show there's a there's a compelling state interest here and it can't be unduly burdensome to the woman. So a complete ban on abortion is unduly burdensome. So the Court of Appeals said, Mississippi, you're wrong. This law is wrong. We are striking it down. And if the Supreme Court had said, we're not going to hear this, the Court of Appeals decision would have been upheld and the Mississippi law would have been unconstitutional and the women's health would have won. So, So, Linda, in right now in Mississippi, then you are able to get an abortion. Yes. Okay. So this law was off the books. Can you explain the existing law on abortion is it just based on the Supreme Court decision? I know that there are laws on the state level. Are there any laws on the federal level? And what is the what kind of laws are there on the state level? Yeah, so every state has different laws. The Casey case, for example, in 1992 was from Pennsylvania. And the Pennsylvania state legislature had passed some laws that were limiting in some sense, abortion. So give you an example. They passed a law that required a 24-hour waiting period before a woman could get abortion. And their reasoning was that a woman needed to really understand what an abortion was all about. And she needed to find out the risks, everything that was happening. And so before she was to have an abortion, there was a waiting period. There was a law they passed at the same time about consent for minors, that parents had to consent. There was a provision in the law that required a woman to get written consent from her husband. So the Supreme Court heard this, and they upheld Roe v. Wade. They upheld minor consent for minors. They upheld the 24-hour waiting period. Okay, so these are examples, but this was Pennsylvania only. Those same laws don't have to exist in New York State. So let me take you back. Before you go on, so with the case, the case, um, the Casey verdict, they said that, yes, minors had to get consent in Pennsylvania. And, yes, they had to have a 24-hour waiting period. Yes. Okay. And and what's, what's critical there is the court wasn't the court wasn't passing necessarily judgment on Pennsylvania's law. What the court was looking at was. Did Pennsylvania's restrictions on abortion 
line up with the United States Supreme Court's constitutional, the constitutional right to abortion of a woman. So they were looking at, and they, they would look at state law, and that's what they're going to do with Cobb. They're going to look at state law in light of existing Supreme Court decisions and law. Okay. And see whether it lines up. So you probably have a question now before I go on. Yeah, before you go on, from where I stand, I am seeing that there are states that it's virtually impossible to get an abortion. Some states like Oklahoma, it's very hard to get an abortion in Oklahoma. And yet in New York City, you can decide on the day of your baby's birth that you don't want it and, quote, abort that baby. Yeah. So is that where what you're seeing from where you sit as well? Yeah, well, every state has some authority under the law to regulate abortion, but that regulation is in the second trimester. In the first trimester, the Supreme Court has given women an absolute right to an abortion, and states are not able to regulate that first trimester. Okay. And so whatever restrictions are in states, that's up to the state. And whether anyone sues the state or challenges it is really up to individuals and whether the court hears those cases. Because for all we know, um, Mary, cases have been challenged, but the court hasn't decided to hear them. Okay. Laws have been challenged, but the court hasn't really decided to hear them. So every state has different laws on abortion. Every state is more or less strict. So New York State, for example, is very, very liberal. And what New York State decided in the third trimester, and let me go back just quickly. So in Roe v. Wade, this is just bad law. It's just awful, but I don't want to digress. The, the Supreme Court actually decided that they were going to divide pregnancy up into trimesters, which a lot of people do medically, and that in the first trimester, the mother has an absolute right to an abortion. In the second trimester, the baby's developing, so states could come in, and they had a legitimate interest to protect the baby, but... They had to be really careful as they protect the baby in the second trimester with their laws and their restrictions because the mother still has a right. So there's a balancing act. But in the third trimester, the court said the baby is now viable. Okay. And viability means the baby can live outside the womb. And so the court in the Cobb case is asking one question. Are pre-viability prohibitions on abortion allowed because if the court says abortion a baby is viable rather at the third trimester which is 24 to 28 weeks then viability being the issue states have less ability to restrict abortion and so the court is actually asking about prohibitions pre-third trimester and this okay. is but that help me understand then if the court basically said these are living people, they can survive outside of the mother, they're protected by the Constitution. How are states like New York able to take their life? <laughs> That's a great question. Abortion? That's a really good question. So whenever there's an exception to limits and restrictions on abortion. Gotcha. Even, in, even in countries that hate abortion, there's always this exception. The first exception 
almost universally is if the mother's life is threatened by the pregnancy going to full term. And so states will allow for abortion even in late term if the mother's life is threatened. What New York State did, New York State has always allowed abortion, I think, in the third trimester if the mother's life was threatened. But the law used to require, and some states follow this law, that two doctors have to sign off on it, and this is kind of a last resort, that you abort the baby late term. Okay. And what New York State did is that they said, well, no, we don't need two doctors to tell us it's okay to abort this baby at 28 weeks or 36 weeks or whatever. We just need one person to say that it's okay. And we consider the mental health of the mother to be as important as the physical life of the mother. So now you've got a wide open door for abortion right up till the time of birth if a doctor says the mother is under undue mental stress. And as you can see, there's a lot of room there, Mary, for playing and aborting babies up until birth. And unfortunately, that's the law. And we haven't had a conservative enough court to probably overrule those laws, although the Supreme Court has restricted late-term abortions where it wasn't a threat to the mother's life. Okay. So the laws, yeah, so. So how can this case, Cobb versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, how can this case impact or change existing abortion laws? Yeah, so most legal scholars are recognizing this is not a direct challenge to Roe. It's a very limited issue. But depending how the court decides, it could upend Roe v. Wade and Casey. If this court, there's just a number of things they could do. And this is why prayer is going to be so important. And this is why, well, it's just really important that we pray about this. Um, we don't know where some of these justices really stand. But they could decide any number of things, Mary. They could decide that viability is no longer a good gauge for deciding whether abortion should be legal or not. Because we know now that a baby in the womb at eight weeks has a heartbeat. We know that the baby feels pain. And these are some of the things that Mississippi is arguing. They're basically arguing We know this is a life. It's in there. It's moving. It feels pain. It has a heartbeat. At at nine weeks, this is happening. At 12 weeks, this is happening. So you can't just decide on viability. And so the court may just throw out viability and say that a woman may have a constitutional right to an abortion, but the states can decide when that right begins and ends okay the, the, the then again the the court may say that in the first trimester we're going to uphold the legal right to abortion but in the second trimester there can be prohibitions and the states get to decide exactly what they want to do so really okay. you're looking at um, an end game right you're looking at a measuring rod that can that can change that the, the it, it and it's going to be up to the court on what they, how they're going to decide this. A lot of people think that the court will not overturn Roe directly 
and that this will begin, this will be actually a time where they begin to crack open Roe and start to give rights back to the states. Okay. I'm hoping that the court says, and I don't know if it will, it really depends on some of the justices like Kavanaugh and, Get, uh, and Gorsuch, where they stand. We don't know. I'm hoping the court finds a fundamental right to life for the baby. Wow. And that even though we don't, even though abortion, even in strict places in, in Europe and things like that, they'll allow abortion between four to six weeks or four to eight weeks. They recognize there's a, a fundamental protection of life in the womb. That's going to be a big thing if the court says there's a fundamental protection of life in the womb because in Roe, they talk more about the mother's right and the mother's mm-hmm. constitutional right to privacy, which is not articulated in the Constitution anywhere. No, it's not. No, it And they hold not. on to that and they focus on the mother's rights versus the life in the womb. And if this court comes out and says, look, everything we know in medical science today tells us that this baby is alive, heartbeat, brain waves very early on and we need to begin to protect this life as a nation so they could at the federal level they could decide as the supreme court nope no more abortion or no more abortion after eight weeks or most likely if they're going to come out strong they may just kick it back to the states i hope not we went through this once before people may not know it it was called slavery. Yes. The Supreme Court said slavery is absolutely right. Negroes have black people. I have no citizenship in this country. The Supreme Court made decisions that were completely wrong, and the court later had to overrule those. Right. And I'm hoping they do that here. Well, I hope so, too, because, you know, Linda, I don't know. I'm sure that you're aware of this, that. The only two nations that protect unborn life less than us are communist China (laughs) and North Korea. And that is pretty sad to live in a nation that so has so little value of unborn life in the laws that we have in our state. And I don't know about you, but I'm really seeing I'm seeing a lot of people rise up and say, look, we need to end abortion now. This is not right. And I'm seeing men standing up, women standing up, young people, old people, where a lot of it seemed like years ago it was kind of swept under the rug. Like the Republicans said, yeah, we're pro-life, but not much was done about it. It seems like there is really a battle raging right now between do we save the babies, mm-hmm. do we keep aborting them? So yeah. that is, you know, very interesting. Yeah, um, interesting, Mary, that, um, sorry, but just jump in. I was watching a video where they went out on the street and asked people their position and, and the people that they left in the video were all abortion supporters up until the time of birth. And when they saw an actual abortion procedure, what is a very standard abortion procedure, not late term, when they actually saw it, shown to them, they all changed their mind. So it's really sad that the 
the, the media and the information that goes out to people in this country about abortion, that it's just a piece of the mother's body or a piece mm. of tissue. At eight weeks, the, the organs have formed, the heart is beating, the arms and legs are growing, the sex organs have begun to form, the face is developing features. It's, it's such a baby that when you see it in the womb and you think of how it's actually ripped out of the womb in most abortions, it's like you're watching somebody at something out of Nazi Germany. It's awful. Yes. So, yes. yes, we need to end this. And I think that people are realizing with all the information out there, there's so much bad information. But if you dig down, there's so many great websites that give clear, truthful information about what abortion really is, including some of the links that, that you that you've you and I have talked about that are going to be included on the podcast. Yes, those are going to be in our show notes. We are going to mention them, but again, remember this is episode 147, What Supreme Court from Finish Well um, podcast. So um, good. That, oh, you know, I remember dear friends of mine um, lost their little uh, baby at four weeks. She had to deliver the baby and they, they wanted to know if we wanted to see it. And I really did want to see it because I had been such a part of their lives and so excited for this baby. When I looked at that little baby, I knew it was a life. Yeah. I knew it was a life. And I just, it gave me such an increased burden for all of these little ones that we need to rescue. The Bible says, rescue those who are perishing. So back to Cobb versus Jackson's Women's Health Organization. What is the schedule for this case? So the court's going to hear this on December 1st, which is coming right up. Okay. When do you think they're going to make a decision? How long do these cases usually take? They usually announce a decision in the spring. Okay. Yep. So So this will be a long waiting game then. It'll be a waiting game, and a lot goes into publishing a decision. Arguments between the justices, and essentially, Mary, on on December 1st, each side, the state of Mississippi and Jackson's Women's Health and the law firms that are representing, they have 30 minutes to make their argument. One lawyer for each side usually stands up, and they've got 30 minutes. 30 minutes for this life-shaking decision? 30 minutes to make the argument including questions from the judges, and you don't gain back time. But behind the scenes, there are briefs that are filed by both of the parties. That's a legal brief explaining all their arguments, all of the law behind it, all of the facts behind it, all of the medicine behind it. And then there are things called amici briefs, and that's a friend of the court brief. Okay. And there are probably, oh, man, hundreds of briefs being filed by every side, the ACLU for abortion, the American Center for Law and Justice against abortion. And a big issue in this case really is what the court in Casey upheld Roe. And part of what the court in Casey said was that precedent had to be upheld. In other words, if the court decided in 73 that there's a constitutional right to abortion, we're not going to overturn that because people need to have faith in the court. And they need to be able to rely on the court's decisions. And in the dissent, one of the judges, I think it was Rehnquist, Justice Rehnquist at the time, said, 
So it doesn't matter whether the decision of the court was right or wrong. It's just whether people are going to like the court or find the court legitimate. Wow. He yeah, it was right on. Wow. He, that's he was, he was right on. And we now have five conservative judges. So this is really this is really a window here to address to address Roe. And there will be so many briefs. So we really need to pray that these judges have a heart for the truth that they see this life in the womb, which people, when they see these abortions live, they just cringe. One woman cried after seeing what actually happened. A woman who supported abortion up till birth on a video I saw cried. She couldn't believe that this was happening to babies. So we need to pray that the judges, all of them see the reality of abortion and the fact that we're allowing an abortion basically for the convenience social or economic of a woman. And we're, and I'm not saying that's not important, but we're weighing it against life. And we need to stand up for life and our judges need to stand up for life. They're really the last bastion to protect life is the Supreme Court here in the United States. Well, you know, Lynn, you brought up slavery and you brought up the decision the Supreme Court made, a wrong decision. And from where I sit looking at history, the two great stenches in our history as a nation are slavery and abortion. And in both cases, it's denying the personhood. It would, they denied the personhood, the citizenship of the slaves. They deny the personhood of these unborn babies. And it is, it just reminds me of some of these ancient cultures that would throw their children in the fire to sacrifice to their gods so that they would be prosperous and successful. It isn't super, super different between that and now. So yeah, it is, it is amazing. It is amazing that we've come so far and yet we have not come so far. It is amazing. And, you know, I've always compared abortion to slavery. And my friends in law school, my, you know, both conservative and liberal friends, but most of just laughed at me. And they, they forget in history that there were, there were people, there were states that the Supreme Court justice, chief justice at the time was from the South. They, you hit it the nail on the head. They viewed these slaves as non-persons. They were three-fifths of a person in the Constitution. And it was constitutional law. Yes, it was. And so when people like President Biden or his spokesperson or, you know, members of Congress stand up and say, well, this is the law of the land. This is the law of the land. Well, so was separate but equal segregation. Yes. Yes, so was. was Dred Scott. So was Korematsu, where we interned. Japanese Americans because it was World War II. And you're right. When we have looked back and we have grieved over decisions and laws from our Supreme Court, it's been when life has been, life has been taken away or liberty. Yes. And so they've got to, that's why I am hoping, I don't know that they'll do it, but I am hoping they are bold and they say, look, Life begins in the womb. 
And, you know, this is what startled me, if I can just say this. When I was doing research for the podcast, I was startled to find that most pro-abortionists, most, I, I don't want to say pro-choice, most pro-abortion people believe life begins at conception. It's just a decision on when we can take it, mm-hmm. which is startling. And the other thing is we do have the most liberal abortion laws in the country, in the world. Even Europe, some, some European nations restrict abortion after four weeks. Yes. I was very surprised in, to find that out because I did study the, I wrote a textbook called His Story of the 20th Century and I studied the abortion laws all around the, the world. And I was grieved to find how far we have strayed from valuing life. But, you know, Lynn, when I think back to what eradicated slavery, the people mm-hmm. at the forefront were Christians. Yep. The Christians were saying this is a person created by God, and this person deserves freedom and liberty, the right to life, the right to freedom. And so um, as a Christian, for all of you Christians, you're listening I, Linda, why should we as Christians care about this decision? Well, you know, you said earlier, you know, we have to defend, we have to defend the weak. And we also need to recognize what the scriptures say, that God forms us in the womb wondrously. And if we believe that we are life from God, the moment that life is conceived, it is precious in the sight of our God. And if we as Christians are not going to defend life, who will? Um, we have got to stand up for life because it is a biblical imperative. And it is a biblical imperative that life in the womb is formed and made by God, all life in the womb. Um, I also think, Mary, we've got to, if we don't start restricting abortion in this country under, in this court, in this case, which is why prayer is so critical. One of the things that has brought so many people to life on the abortion issue in the past few years is that the other side has gotten very aggressive. So abortion kind of sat status quo for a while, right? Okay, Roe v. Wade got passed. First trimester, women go in, they get an abortion. No one even knows they're pregnant at the time. It's all done privately. And, you know, we prayed about it. Operation Rescue existed. Other pro-life things. Christians were still really serious about overturning Roe. But the world itself didn't pay attention. All of a sudden, they started pushing late-term abortion exceptions to abortion Mm. abortion up till the time of birth which hillary clinton actually in a debate stated that she supported which made me Uh. so Uh. what's happened is i hate to say it while the christian community has always hated abortion and fought against abortion you started poking the bear you started asking for federal funding for abortion which never happened my tax dollars should never pay for an abortion. It was, right. it was an unwritten rule. No, we're going to start pushing it. And I think what happened is they woke up a sleeping giant in the secular community to say, yes, we can take a baby. And now they're talking about if the baby comes out alive, what are you going to do with it? And the governor uh. of Virginia says, well, put it in a corner and keep it comfortable till it dies. Uh. 
So human being. awful. Oh, it's horrible. So your average human being who may not be a Christian, who believes in a biblical view of life, at the very least is listening to this stuff and thinking, wait a minute, what are they talking about? And now the issue's coming to life. And now when you're talking about a baby in the womb who's being aborted is feeling pain, that becomes very real for people. It starts to give, it, you know, it gives you something to grab onto as a human being. Well, I don't want this baby to feel pain. And so now you're talking about it in terms of a human being. Mm. And so I think the push by the left that got so aggressive woke up a lot of people outside of the evangelical community. And it's now, that's why so many people are saying, wait a minute, not only have you gone too far, but as we're rethinking this viability thing and we're rethinking what life really is, you're showing me medical medical science, a, a baby in the womb can live outside the womb at how many weeks? And now that baby feels pain and it has a heartbeat. It's become really, really real for people, to put it simply, who have maybe lived in ignorance of it, Mary, not Right. You know, just because they didn't care and now they're caring and they should. I think you're right, Lynn. Now, what can Christians do? How can they pray? Okay. There's a really good prayer guide through Intercessors for America. The, The link is out there. You can give them your email and download the prayer guide. They started 50 days from December 1st. So they've been praying every day. Each state is praying on, on a call and they're praying for each of the justices. But they also give you the issues. They give you the names of all the justices. They give you the names of their clerks. The clerks of the justices are very important because they help the justices write their decisions. And so we need to pray above all that the Supreme Court justices deciding this case have the heart of the Lord and that the Lord visits them in dreams and tells them the truth about this. We need a supernatural intervention but we need these judges' hearts to be turned to life. Yes. And that the political agenda of, of the left and the political agenda that has driven the abortion industry falls. And that the judges see the truth of medical science. We're not asking them to look at anything but pure, what do we hear every day about the vaccines and COVID? Trust medical the science. Science. Yeah. Trust the science. This baby, when that suction vacuum is stuck inside this baby pushes away from it this is a big so we we need to pray above all for the judges we need to pray for the lawyers in mississippi in the state of mississippi that they have wisdom that they are bold in their arguments we need to pray for a boldness for the conservative judges we need to pray for protection because this is a very very volatile issue and these justices will have their lives threatened if they overturn Roe v. Wade okay. or dramatically limit Roe v. Wade. And we need to pray for the law firm and those who are against babies, the life in the womb. We need yes. to pray for the law firms who are arguing for abortion. And you pray as you will, but I am praying that these men and women have dreams at night with blood on their hands. Yes. That this 60 million babies that have been aborted in this country are crying out to God 
for justice. And we need justice in this land. We as a nation, we believed in what? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We've never put the pursuit of happiness above life and liberty until the abortion decision. Yes, that's true. And only the pursuit of happiness of one person. Mm -hmm. I have some websites here. And again, this is episode 147 of Finish Well podcast on the Ultimate Homeschool Network. So it's episode 147. And in the show notes, you'll find these websites, ifapray.org. And that is going to get you a prayer guide. Also, aclj.org slash pro-life. ACLJ has got a number of videos, articles, and really, really good stuff there. And then also abort73.com backslash abortion backslash prenatal development. Some really good material on the development of a fetus in the womb. And, you know, if you have the privilege of being able to talk to a young woman who's contemplating abortion and you're the one who saves that baby. What a joy. What a joy. I really, Linda, I know that we've been talking about Cobb starting on December 1st. There's another case starting on Monday, this case with Texas. Can you just give us, I know we don't have time to hash this out, But let folks know, by the time this podcast airs, it will be evening of of November 1st. But what is going on with this Texas case that's appearing before the Supreme Court? Yeah, this kind of snuck up. This was a very quick hearing decision. So it's really a procedural question. Texas has, it's called the heartbeat law, and Texas is prohibiting abortions, but it's not enforced by the state. It's a law that's enforced by private citizens. First of all, the Supreme Court was asked to to strike down this law, and they refused to do it. So now they're hearing, essentially, who is allowed, given the, the structure of this law in Texas, which is really unusual. It's not a law necessarily against abortion. It's a law that says, if you see an abortion, report it. So it's it's a private thing. And I haven't read a lot about it, but what they're basically saying in the court is who really has standing, who's allowed to sue, what's really going on with this case because it's so unusual. And what we're seeing, Mary, is states are starting to kind of – they're starting to flex their muscles on abortion because they know they have a conservative court for the first time in – well, when Amy Coney Barrett went on the court, five justices versus – Four conservative. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, so, so Texas won't probably change a lot as far as Roe v. Wade. It's not as critical as Cobb, but every single decision recognizing the state's right to legislate abortion is a win. But again, you know, we need a right to life in this country. We need an amendment in the Constitution, but that's, you know, beyond what we're talking about. And by the way, I do want to say there was a recent poll, 61%, even pro-choice Americans think abortion should be banned at the very least after the first trimester. Most of this country is crying out for some changes to Roe, and, and this is the time for it. 
Linda, thank you so much for joining me. I just feel like I have such a better understanding. Even the little bit you shared about the Texas case helped me make sense. I, I really didn't understand that. I will definitely, I'm committed to praying. And I know you and I have been praying together and will continue to pray together. So if you're listening and you're a Christian and you value life, maybe you're not even a Christian and you just value life and and you want to see abortion end in America. Well, let me just tell you, even if you don't know the Lord or want anything to do with him, he wants something to do with you. He loves you. He made you. You can pray to him. He will listen. And you can come to him and he will take you in. But I just encourage you, fast, pray, and learn more. Talk to people. Use your voice. You know, let people know how you feel. I think a lot of times when I share with people how I feel, and I just mean like the guy coming to fix my air conditioner or someone that I run into in the grocery store and I start talking to them about different things that I'm feeling like about pro-life. I'm so often surprised by how many people are just wanting to know Mm -hmm. there's other people out there that feel the same way. So use your voice, pray fast and let's ask God to do a miracle in our nation and end this. They, we ended slavery, church. We can end abortion. Amen. So thanks for tuning in. God bless you. God bless America. And God bless you as you pray and seek God's face. Thank you for listening to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast with Meredith Curtis and the Finish Well team. Please listen in every first and third Monday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern Time here at the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network.